From as early as anyone could remember, Gavin was a fantastic footballer. From the age when he was a young child, he could be out seen out in the streets kicking a ball about with his mates. Football was the thing that Gavin loved, and every spare minute of his time was spent on his passion. Gavin was a really good footballer as a young age, and as he got older, as he went through life, as he came into his teenage years, it turned out that he had a real talent for football. And there was loads of speculation that Gavin was one of those young men who was going to end up with a professional career as a footballer. To his mates, this seemed like an amazing opportunity. Flash cars, luxury villas, the trappings of a millionaire lifestyle. To Gavin, this seemed amazing, not because of all of that, but because he was passionate and he was desperate just to do the thing that he loved. And then everything changed. One day, Gavin got seriously injured. He went to hospital, had some tests done, some x-rays done, and the resulting investigations revealed a physical weakness that crushed any hopes that Gavin had of playing football at a professional level, or frankly, at any reasonable level at all. Gavin was utterly destroyed by this news. He knew he was going to have to pursue something different in life. But what would it be? What else was there for him to do? He'd thrown his heart, his soul, every hour of his time into training, into making contacts to be a professional footballer. He'd nothing to fall back on. Football meant the world to him. A few years later, as if to make matters worse, Gavin sat down one night to watch a match on TV. This was England playing Spain at Wembley. There was a footballer from London who was playing in central midfield that day. This guy put in a man of the match performance. The crowd was roaring his name. But this guy was no mega celebrity to Gavin because this was someone that Gavin had kicked the ball with on the streets of his hometown when they were growing up. As Gavin reflected on the ways in which their lives had gone in different directions, the enormity of all that shattered dream that he had gone through hit him at that moment, and he crumbled and collapsed in front of the TV. Every single person in this room is, I am quite sure, living with broken dreams. There are things that we wanted but never received. We all find ourselves on a path in life. All seems to be going well, and then seemingly as if from nowhere, it all comes to an end. We've been doing a job that we loved for years. We poured our heart, our soul into it. It meant so much to us. We dreamed that we would spend all our lives working there. And one day the boss sits us down and he breaks the news to us that there's no more money 
to pay our salary. We're enjoying life. We've got all these plans for the things that we want to do over the next few years. But then we get this, this sense that all is not well. We eventually go to the doctor, and the doctor tells us there is something wrong with our bodies. And all our plans go up in a puff of smoke. We've great friends, amazing friends. We're so thankful for all the good times that we spend together, that we trust each other, that we do life together, that they are there for us as we are there for them. And then someday we find out something about our friend that utterly destroys that friendship and any plans we had for the future. When doors close in our lives, it's never gentle. It's like they slam right in our faces. And when the doors slam on dreams that we have committed to God, it can be absolutely devastating. The immediate reaction is often to think, God has let us down here. He doesn't care. He doesn't love us. He's forgotten about us. But the reality is, as we've been reminded this morning in that reading from Acts, is that far from being absent when a door closes in our lives, God is the one with his hand on the door. Because God is the one who is closing the door. And that can make it seem even more painful. Lord, you know how much this thing meant to me. How can you just go and close the door in my face? It's hard to get your head around. Last week, Johnny spoke on these amazing doors uh, that opened in Elisha's life. Elisha asked to inherit this double portion of Elijah's spirit, and he went on to do great things. So many doors opened in his life. The Apostle Paul had a similar experience in his early ministry, writing in his letter to the Corinthians, a great door for effective work has opened to me. God was allowing Paul at that time in his life to move forward with the things that God had wanted him to do. But in Acts 16, it's a very different story. This is now Paul's second missionary journey. And this time, not only does he intend to revisit some of the churches that he had gone to on his first journey, but he intends to go even further on his missionary journey. But God had other plans. And in verse 6, we see that something very unusual happens in this journey. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. It wasn't some scheme of the devil. This was the Spirit of God that stopped them going in to Asia. 
In other words, God himself closed a door in their lives. Now, we don't know. It doesn't tell us exactly how the Spirit stopped them, but the more relevant question is why God would do this. We know there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that either Paul or Silas traveling with him had any sin in their lives that caused God to put these restrictions upon their ministry. And there was certainly nothing sinful about Paul's desire to take the gospel into this region. Paul was simply trying to obey the Lord's command to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. So why then was he stopped? Well, the reason and some of the life lessons for us to take from this episode come in verses 7 and 8. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. We're reminded of that twice, that this was God closing these doors. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter Bithynia. And what was their reaction? Did they do as we do and try and force the door open? Did they argue, complain, grumble, feel sorry for themselves? Did they debate? Did they question God? Did they go mad? Did they give up? Did they go home complaining that God had abandoned them? They did none of these things. Instead, they humbly submitted to God's will. Listen again. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Just like that. Door closed, so they did something else. No debating, no arguing, no trying to barge through the closed door, and no living in pain, no going over and over and over obsessively this thing in their heads, torturing themselves that God had abandoned them, persuading themselves that God did not love them. None of that. None of the things that we do, or at least I do, when God closes doors in my life. Paul and Silas picked themselves up, and they followed this new path immediately. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how they knew which precise path to follow, But we do know from other parts of the Bible that Paul would always seek God's will by praying and sometimes fasting. This was the same Paul who wrote, pray without ceasing. He also wrote, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So we can be fairly sure that Paul believed that a closed door in his life simply meant that another open door 
was just around the corner. And we can be fairly sure that he prayed to God to reveal the new door that he and his fellow missionaries should go through. So they headed off in a different direction, this time down to Troas, trusting in God. Now, the fact that they go to Troas is really important. Paul and Silas are standing on the Asian side of the Aegean Sea. But the Asian side of the Aegean Sea is the place of closed doors, the place where they are being directed not to go any further. Troas, where they're now heading to, was a seaport on the Aegean Sea that faced in completely the opposite direction. This was the place that faced towards Greece and therefore Europe. In other words, by heading to Troas, Paul and Silas were heading in a completely different direction. It was a 180 degree U-turn. And it must have been daunting. And it must have been frightening. But they trusted God. They trusted God. And this new door not only opened to them, but God appeared in a vision to Paul, confirming that this was indeed the path that he wanted them to take. Verses 9 and 10, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What Paul and Silas did not realize when God was closing the door that led to Asia was that instead, his plan was for them to take the gospel into Europe. And God used them powerfully to fulfill his will. Because if you read on in chapter 16 beyond the section that we looked at this morning, we read in immediately the next uh, section of the first conversion of someone on their journey, a woman called Lydia in Philippi, which was a Roman colony. So Paul and Silas's ministry bears fruit when they obey God's call. They go on, as you know, to get beaten up, to get put in prison. But they pray when seemingly another door closes. They trust God again to open a new door. And God uses that situation of them being imprisoned to bring the message of salvation to the prison guard. And from there, Paul goes on to Thessalonica, Athens, Corinth, Syria, Ephesus, Macedonia, Greece, and on to Jerusalem itself. It was an epic ministry. And it all began with a closed door to guide Paul and Silas so that God could uh, direct them through an even greater door of blessing. A closed door in our lives can mean that God has something even greater than we think or imagine. As God says to us through the prophet Isaiah, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So just think about it for a moment. 
What if, what if God had opened the first door to Paul and Silas? What if he had let them go on that journey into Asia at that time? How many people would not have heard the good news of life and hope and salvation that they brought to Europe? And similarly, if Paul and Silas had not accepted God's will for their lives, but had instead kept knocking in frustration at a closed door, God would not have been able to use them as powerfully as he did. So the most powerful lesson we are being reminded here about this morning is that God is sovereign. He is in control. It is he who opens and shuts doors in our lives. And while we don't always understand why he closes some, we have to accept his sovereignty and trust that his will for our lives is better than our will for ourselves. In John's vision in Revelation, God says this, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of the one who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one will shut. And what he shuts, no one will open. If God has shut a door in your life, do not waste your energy pushing and pushing and pushing against a closed door in some bid somehow to open it. Because all you're going to do is push your way past God. Instead, talk to God. Explain how you feel. Tell him you're feeling hurt. Tell him you feel your life is falling apart. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to pour out your heart. But then trust him and ask him, okay then, where do we go from here? Because as we've seen this morning in Acts, when God closes a door, he is up to something. He has got a better plan. So if you have recently come up against closed door, or if God closed a door in your life many years ago, and you are carrying the hurt of that closed door to this day, then remember God's promise to you in Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God does not close doors to hurt us. When he closes a door, it is not because he's trying to tear us down. It's because he has a very specific door that he wants us to pass through. And therefore, he won't allow us to go through just any old door. He wants us to go through the door that he has identified for us.
Gavin the footballer that I mentioned at the start had a door painfully closed on his life. That forced him to start knocking on other doors. Gavin Calver didn't pursue the dream that he had of being a professional footballer. But he did go on to discover through a series of open doors, doors that opened unexpectedly, that God's will for him was first of all to lead up the organization Youth for Christ, then to become Evangelical Alliance Director for Mission England, and next week to be one of the keynote speakers at New Wine Ireland. Gavin Calver can look back on his life and give thanks for the closed doors. But sometimes we don't get that opportunity. We don't always see it at the time or even for a very long time. But someday we will and all our questions will be answered. Now is your time of grief, Jesus says, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. We pray to God for doors to open, and that's good. But we must understand that sometimes they won't. When our Heavenly Father says no, do not panic. Don't believe that the world is falling down around you. Instead, trust him and thank him, even if it's really hard. And hold on to the truth that his plans are infinitely better than ours. When I look back at the closed doors on my life, I can see how God has actually used them to draw me closer to him, to remind me that my identity is in him, not in whatever lay behind the door that I so hoped would open. And more than that, when I have got over the pain of a, temp of a door, the temporary pain of a closed door in life, I have come to experience the blessing, the peace, that amazing peace, that joy of knowing that in the pain, God was with me every step of the way. And that, the presence of God through the painful moments of life, that is worth far more than anything that lies behind the doors on which we knock in life. So you can want and you can dream for X, Y, and Z, and door X, Y, and or Z may open, but they may not. And when they don't, it's not easy. And I don't pretend for a moment that it is. But I do say this. Remember that there is only one door that ever matters in life. And that door is always open. And more than being always open, you don't even have to knock that door. 
In Revelation 3.20, God tells us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to them and will dine with them and they with me. Sometimes we think that life is all about God opening doors to us, but it is not. Life is about us opening a door to him. And when we do that, God will always stand with us, even when we go through the pain of not understanding why some things do not come our way in life. And God stands with us because he understands the closed door, the pain and the hurt of the closed door, better than any single one of us. Kneeling in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked not to be crucified. Father, if it is possible, may this cup, this suffering, this death be taken from me, he said. It was the most desperate prayer from the purest heart that has ever been. And yet it was met with silence. The request was denied. The door remained closed. And Jesus accepted the closed door. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Today we praise God for that closed door. Because what if God had opened that door? What if God had opened that door? What if there had been no cross? What if there had been no death, no tomb, no resurrection, no forgiveness of sins, no outpouring of the Holy Spirit? I suspect that for different reasons, every single person in this room has known the pain of a closed door in their lives. But always trust God when doors are closed and give thanks. For no matter what doors are closed to you, for reasons we may or may not know, we have the assurance that through Jesus Christ, God's no to him, God's closed door when he asked to be spared the cross, was turned into the most loving, embracing, powerful, yes, the most loving, embracing, powerful, open door to every human being who has ever lived. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, says the Lord. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to them and will dine with them and they with me. So if this morning you are hurting over a closed door in your life, recently or a long time ago, and you haven't really properly got over it, then listen. Listen to the Lord knocking on the door of your heart today. Trust him. Open the door. 
and let him in. Let us pray.